Hello, creeps. I'll be your ghost. I mean host. As we delve the crypts of spooky movies and even spookier theory. Welcome to Horror Vanguard. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to another episode of Horror Vanguard. I'm one of your co-ghosts, Ash. I almost introduced myself as John, but that's not who I am. I am joined by John, aka the Liquor Guy. How's it going, John? At this point, at this point, we are basically just like one collective consciousness. That's true. So that's true. In a way, aren't aren't we all the the, the co-hosts of Horror Vanguard? <laughs> <laughs> But it's not just us today. Today we are joined by uh, the co-author of The Black Guy Dies First, Black Horror Cinema, From Fodder to Oscar, Mark H. Harris. How's it going, Mark? Good. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm very, I'm very excited. When I got wind that this book was coming out, I, I just had to, like, snatch up a review copy as quick as I could. <laughs> cool. I appreciate it. Yeah, fantastic read. Um- uh, for for people who maybe have not come across you or your work before, Mark, um, how do you want to kind of introduce yourself? Explain a little bit about what you do and how people can find and support your work. Sure, uh, I am Mark H. Harris. That's the H uh, is important because there is a much more famous uh, media journalist named Mark Harris <laughs> who I'm often <laughs> confused for. Sometimes I get emails. Uh, complimenting, complimenting me on something that I haven't written, and I'm just like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'll take it. But um, I run the website blackhorrormovies.com. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just a, a website devoted to the black presence in horror, the horror cinema. And um, I recently have written, co-written a book, uh, The Black Guy Dies First. Black Horror Cinema from Fodder to Oscar. I co-wrote it with Robin Armin Coleman, who uh, you might know from the book Horror Noir, which was then turned into the documentary Horror Noir, which I had a small appearance in. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I've kind of devoted my existence to, to black folks in horror movies. Um, I can be seen also at uh, on Twitter at at Blackula is my handle on, on there, so check me out there too. Uh, which, for the record, is maybe the best Twitter handle that anyone could have. <laughs> like... Amazing! I just yeah. blown away that you were able to grab that one. I snagged that very <laughs> early on, and I think <laughs> it's it's. I think a lot of people think that I have some official uh, affiliation with the movie Blackula because I get some. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, <laughs> I'll take your uh, your praise and your your gratitude, but I have nothing to do with that. <laughs> I, I I would also absolutely take that. Yeah, that's a power move right there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that that's almost a a good place to to jump to jump in too, because I think a lot of people uh, who maybe haven't seen Blackula or haven't seen Blackula in a long time. Uh, maybe don't consider that movie from a very serious angle from a very serious perspective mm-hmm. um and and your book your book does your book uh i think like w- one of the things that we try to do with like all horror cinema here on this show is i mean like you know be lighthearted and have fun with it but also like you know even the most b and and disregarded horror movies to kind of like look them in the eye show them some respect take them seriously and like it was one of my favorite things about this book is like you know like William Crane cinema in general and and Blackula to be like seriously analyzed with this perspective like just phenomenal stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know you hear the title Blackula and you think okay, it's really goofy mm-hmm. kind of parody parody kind of movie, and it, and it actually you know it takes itself pretty seriously. I, I think it was written. I think initially, I don't think it was viewed as very serious. Uh, I think the original title was Count Brown's in Town or something like that. And uh, so I think mm-hmm. it was initially thought of as being something kind of goofy and campy. And um, I think William Crane and, and even William Marshall, the star, um, kind of input on the script and they kind of molded it to make it a little more, uh, you know, serious and a 
give it a little more, um, I guess, uh, uh, a little less campy in terms of the portrayal of black black characters because mm-hmm. I think initially the the the, uh, there wasn't initially any sort of uh, the character of Blackula or, or Mamuwal that it wasn't I think he wasn't like an African prince or anything like like he is in the movie I think he had some other kind of goofy uh, I think his name was like Amos he was either Amos or Andy I can't remember which one but it was something that was very oh. uh, it was the same name as one of the Amos and Andy characters and they were just like no no, mm-hmm. no, no we're gonna take this in another direction so <laughs> it was it was, I, I think they treated it very seriously more seriously than you would imagine and i think you know they touched on some issues with you know uh race and and racism within the police force uh police brutality that sort of thing so um Mm -hmm. it it really is a lot more serious than you would you would imagine and i think it actually holds up pretty well in terms of there's a couple of scenes that are actually pretty still pretty effective in terms of scares too there's a a, a oh, yeah. scene with like the kind of a slow motion scene where in, in the morgue where one of the, the newly formed vampires comes running down the, the, the hallway and it's, it's pretty it's still pretty creepy so so yeah it's, it's one of my favorites I think it's a really important movie it really helped kickstart not only black horror but the black exploitation movement in general is one of the early films mm-hmm. in that era and it kind of proved that you know black films could find an audience yeah, abs- absolutely, absolutely. I I first saw Blackula when I was like, God, I was like 17, 18. It was it was in one of those like fifty gore drive-in exploitation classic box set type things, <laughs> and and I, I watched it, and then I, I rewatched it um, around when Get Out first came out. I did a I did like a small like rewatching of a bunch of classic like Black American horror cinema. And like Blackula is just so so good. Like even even today in 2023, that that movie just stands up still. Even it's it's social commentary, the scares like you had mentioned, like it's really an underrated gem. Yeah, I think so. I think I think what's like so noteworthy about the book, and the book is genuinely fantastic. This great accessible uh, piece of history um, that actually places all of these films in the, the the development of the kind of wider social and political and cultural context that led to these films coming out um and i think what's 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 really cool is uh the way in which there's this kind of much broader genealogy than sort of like mainstream cinema histories kind of look at um yeah. and is there other p- kind of particular films that you cover in the book that you're kind of hoping people are going to go away and check out after you've written about them, maybe ones that you think are kind of underappreciated. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot. I mean, I one of the main comments I keep getting is that people are saying, "Oh, we're reading the book and we're I'm, we're taking notes on all these movies that I've never heard of and, and want to check out." Um, so it, that's really great to me because I, I I've lived in this world for so long that I don't even know what people don't know. <laughs> so. They're all, you know, to me, they're all like, oh, yeah, I know this movie. So, so yeah, I mean, um, I don't know if anyone particularly sticks out. I mean, I think one that um, is, is one of Robin's favorites that I, I don't know if I'd call it a favorite of mine, but I think it's an interesting one that I think uh, people will, uh, <laughs> I don't know if people will like, but I think it, it will spark some interest is, is a movie from the 70s called... Um, Welcome home, brother Charles. And it's about um, a guy, a black guy, who gets framed by the cops and thrown into jail. And um, he's abused and he gets castrated. And then at some point, I don't even remember how it happens, but he develops, he, he gets out and he develops some supernatural ability to not only regrow his penis, but to grow it to like feet long. And then he goes around getting revenge on the people who put him in jail by strangling them with his long penis. And it's like, you know, it's, Amazing. it's something that, you know, it just, it, it kind of has to be seen to be believed, I think. But I mean, it's, just, it's, it's ridiculous. And yet it still deals with a lot of heavy topics in terms of, you know, police brutality and, and the, the judicial mm-hmm. system and stuff. And there's crooked 
lawyers and crooked judges and everything. He, he goes down the whole line, every every line of uh, the justice system and, and gets revenge. But it's, uh, it's just something that is really, um, I think it's very indicative of the 70s. <laughs> Let's just say that. It's, it's of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That that was um, there there were, there were like several movies in here that that were mentioned that I hadn't seen yet, and that was that was the one where I'm like I need to, I need to track this down immediately. <laughs> this just jumped to like the top of my to watch list. Uh, yeah, I think it got I think it got a um, a reissue with Vinegar Syndrome a few years. I was gonna ago. say that but was that Vinegar Syndrome or Severin? That sounds like that sounds like something one of those yeah, two yeah. publishers <laughs> would put out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I there's, think a, briefly... there's another movie in here. Oh, go on. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think it briefly got released on video sometime in the 90s or something under another title. I think it was like In Your Face or something, something weird. That was <laughs> I, I absolutely have to check that movie out. Like that is, it is, oh, that just sounds like that's, it's, it's for, for me, exploitation cinema is often at its strongest when you've got the combination of the, the these kind of these tropic elements that have been really, you know, cleverly repurposed to get at deeper underlying, you know, social and political issues. Mm-hmm. And it just, oh my God, it sounds like that movie is just, just doing that with full force. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's a, another movie in here you mentioned that I, I haven't seen any, anybody talk about, but it's a personal favorite of mine and it's Puka, one of those Hulu ween specials. Yeah. I love that. I think that was, that was, in your honorable mentions section, but like that was, we, I, I mentioned it briefly in our upcoming episode on Mithrigan, uh, but the, the Puka episode, like that, I, I that was one of the most, it, it's, it's scary. It's jarring. It's effective. It's got a lot of social commentary. I really loved that, that short film. Yeah. I mean, that really flew under the radar. I think a lot of those films in that, uh, after, after the dark, uh, series and, and Hulu, for on Hulu, I think they kind of flew under the radar just because they were, I guess, kind of thrown out there every month, and I guess people kind of got a little weary of them, or or they, they just thought they were kind of, you know, these maybe an hour long episode of a TV show, but they were like full feature length movies, and they were a lot of them were really good, and this was probably probably my favorite, um, one of the early ones, but it was really, you know, really surreal, and like it was. I mean, it's like a a killer uh, like costume, I guess is what you call it. I mean, it's like a, a guy in a killer costume. The costume kind of possesses him, but it also kind of brings out his own uh, demons inside. It, it deals with a lot of like, you know, the nature of grief and, and loss and stuff. And it it mm-hmm. turns to be very deep, but it's really, like I said, it's, it's scary. It's surreal. It's it's really, it's really good. I mean, I really think it, you know, if it had been released on like, you know, a big screen or something like that, I think it would have gotten a lot more attention and, and, and recognition. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess while, while I'm here, like one of my favorite sections is, is li- literally right at the end, the top 10 black horror movies that, that each of you list off with the honorable mentions, of course, including Puka, uh, mm-hmm. his house, your number two pick personal favorite of ours here on the show. Like, like, yeah, that is absolutely. A phenomenal movie. Yeah, I was really, I mean, I don't often get my hopes up in terms of horror movies getting, you know, like Oscar rock recognition, but I really thought, I watched that, I was like, this could be like an Oscar nominated movie, this is like that good, I mean, it's really, <laughs> yeah. it, I mean, it, it's scary, it, I mean, it's scary on a, on a genre level, but it's also really has a lot to say, it's very socially conscious, and it's really well acted, it's just I mean, to me, it really ticked all the boxes where it could have, you know, gotten more recognition than it did. But, um, I mean, maybe the fact that it was British kind of hurt, but uh, I don't know. But it really, <laughs> it was great. I mean, it, it really, uh, it really, I think it did win maybe a couple of BAFTA or something, maybe for like a new director, one of those kind of categories. But um, it, Yeah, it won at the um, British Independent Film Awards. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Remy Weeks picked up Best Director, which is like a, an incredible achievement. You know, just a just a, just a guy here. I think he he just graduated from art school wow. and put this together. And it's like it's it, to be honest, it's one of my favorite uh, horror movies from Britain from the, like the last five years. I think it's incredible. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, our British, like, uh, specifically uh, black British horror is having kind of a moment right now, too, because, I mean, there's one that just came out on Netflix called Strays, I think. And then A24 is coming out with one uh, later this year. What was it called? Like, Talk to Me, I think. They just released the trailer, mm. a trailer, black, a black British lead in that one. Um, oh, cool. So, yeah, I mean, it's really it's having its moment. And, of course, there's always Attack the Block, which is just an all-time classic. Yes! Yes! <laughs> oh, what, yeah, what yeah, a, yeah. Just, just such a good movie. Such a good movie. Uh, it's it's cool. I don't I don't hear many like I don't hear like many Americans talk about Attack the Block, but it's just like that's that's just like a that's like a touch that it's made me so happy you brought up Attack the Block. And, like uh, uh, John Boyega's first big film role, and mm-hmm. he's so, he's we we've got to talk about Attack the Block on the show sometime, Ash. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to twist my arm for that one, but definitely. <laughs> Yeah, we just had, um, as part of the promotion for the book, we had a couple of screenings a month or two ago of just, a, a, you know, a, um, a local theater after to select a couple of movies from the book that we thought would be representative to kind of team with, you know, promotion for the book. And we, we picked um, Spider Baby and Attack the Block. So uh, mm. I went and I... Oh, nice. I, I, Oh, what a what a what a cool double feature! What a cool double feature! <laughs> yeah, it was cool. It was really cool, and a lot of people showed up. They love they love Attack the Block, and they were reacting to the movie and and you know shouting and screaming. It was, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, that's always a good sign. <clears throat> So I did, I did have a question kind of about the, the, the construction of the book and, and how you two got started with it. Because this is, it, there, there's so much going on in this text that makes it so engaging, right? It's it's such a potent history of, like, I, I think broader than horror, like black genre cinema here in the United States and, and abroad, but also... Uh, what what grab like what brought you toward this specific trope, like the trope of the black guy dies first, to be kind of the framework through which you like pulled together this analysis? Well, we thought it was a useful trope in that, you know, we, we kind of looked at it and we're like, what, what does the black guy dying first really represent? And it really is just kind mm-hmm. of all about marginalization of, of black characters and the fact that they're never or rarely the hero, you know, the person who survives in the end. Um, you know, if you're, if yeah. you're kind of, we then we talk about these kind of roles that they're pigeonholed into, like the you know the, the sidekick or the the best friend or the authority figure or whoever it may be. Um, they're all different kind of ways to kind of push the black characters to the side so that they're not you know the main hero in the movie. And um, and in horror, you know, if you're not the main character, chances are you're going to end up dead. So I think that's kind of what the whole black guy dying. Uh, kind of represent. So we thought that was kind of a useful, uh, catchy way to, to kind of get into the how black characters are portrayed in the genre. Um, it's something, you know, that we thought was a good, you know, eye-catching or ear-catching title. So um, it was, you know, something we could focus on early on. And then we kind of branched off a little bit into a couple of other chapters of, of you know, talking about comedy and religion and, and some of the other kind of major um, areas that black characters have, have uh, you know, been a part of in terms of horror over the years. And so we thought it was kind of useful to kind of touch on those areas too. And so, um, so yeah, it was, it was really fun to, to kind of plan out and to write and to, to collaborate on. So it was really a dream project of mine. It's really a culmination of my 20 or so years of a, of a, covering this topic so it's great yeah it, and and just you know for the record for listeners it's it is this it's an incredibly it's an incredibly accessible it's really it's really funny as well yeah. um it's got some <laughs> it's got some it's got some great jokes in it um and it's really incredibly accessible but really a comprehensive bit of film history that i think uh there has been this sort of 
you know, I think obviously the big, the big kind of catalyst in so many ways was uh, the work of Jordan Peele. Um, but and that's what makes the book so timely. But what I think is so great about the book is it casting it back into this l- much longer tradition of yeah. uh, not just black horror but black cinema and the ways in which um, the the line that you use towards the end of the book, which is you know this idea of like it, history is black horror, right? <laughs> this idea that like that's su- that's such a kind of powerful and an important point as you tie it into like contemporary political issues. Um, and this idea of like, actually, you know, there is this, there is this strand in cinematic history that has been so often occluded, marginalized or pushed into, um, you know, the, these subordinated or, 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 or neglected aspects. Um, and yeah, the, the book is, the book is an incredible piece of film history. If you are at all interested in any of the films that we talk about on Horror Vanguard, you should be absolutely be picking this up. Thank you. Yeah. And, and like you said, I, we wanted to, we knew we were talking about some heavy topics, you know, anytime you talk about race, mm-hmm. people kind of are like, Oh, they take a deep breath and it's, you know, we know it's heavy stuff, but so we wanted to make it accessible and, and fun and, and funny. Uh, we, 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 you know, I take a lot of a tongue in cheek uh, approach to a lot of things. You know, we realized that horror is kind of, at its heart, it's still a fun genre, even though it deals with, you know, fears and anxieties. It, it, it is something that we watch for fun to kind of escape from mm-hmm. things. So uh, we wanted to have the tone of the book to reflect our our love of horror and the fact that horror is, is entertainment. And we wanted to use that to kind of help draw people in and, and make it, you know, an entertaining read first. But then on top of that, get some sort of, you know, messaging out of it. Yeah, this is something that we that we say on the show all the time, which is like, you know, we we think horror has like like really good political and social critique to make, but also we started watching horror movies because they because they're cool, because they're, <laughs> just because they're because they're a lot of fun. Um, I I you know I like the fact that you sort of did a ranking of um, actors who have died the most in certain horror movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was. And I'm like, shout out Tony Todd. <laughs> he, he has put no in surprise work. that he won that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I, I'm sure I didn't. We didn't get even probably. We might have not even got half of his real death on there. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, no, he's really. going and going. It, it, I lost count at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I just really loved how comprehensive the, this book was. Like, my per- personal favorite section of mine was uh, the section on uh, black actors who played famous movie monsters that people mm-hmm. probably don't know were black actors, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In- including uh, Ke- Kevin Peter Hall, who, who listeners, if you don't know, that's that's the Predator, as well as Sasquatch from Henry and the Hendersons. Uh, Balaji Badejo, which is the xenomorph, like he's the alien from Alien. And then uh, Ch- Troy James, who's been in a lot of new stuff, including uh, uh, scary movies to tell in the dark, which we covered here on the show. So, like, like oh, I just love the kind of like the the layers that we're working with here, and the fact that like we're we're also like looking. We we tend to like uh, a lot of film criticism looks at monsters in movies just on the surface level and doesn't bother to take the mask off and see what's going on like like literally under behind the zipper of the costume right and the fact that this book really dug into film history was just so refreshing yeah it was really fun like i i didn't i didn't really realize i mean i think i kind of known i'd known kevin peter hall hall because i think i remember watching him in a 80s show called misfits of science and then he was also on the sitcom 227 so i kind of i knew him and i knew he was Harry and the Hendersons. Um, I think at some point I learned he was Predator 2. And then I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. And then it, I, I don't know when. It was a little before the book, but I I, I, I might have forgotten. But then I re- realized again, I was like, oh, wait, the alien guy was black too, originally. Um, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, man, I should dig into this a little deeper and see, you know, who else, you know, what other people have, have black people have portrayed these monsters and yeah, it's really, really interesting. I think it's something that's really good for people to know. And this is something that we talk about on the show all the time, which is like the material history of of cinema. You know, cinema presents itself as this kind of like 
abstract phantasmagoria you know it's kind of like oh it's it's just these kind of flickering images on the screen but i think this idea of like your your connection um that you make between like reaganism and black horror and you specifically mention like one of one of the one of my favorite movies which is the people under the stairs um i think is a really great example Mm -hmm. of the ways in which you can kind of you can kind of kind of give some weight to these kind of flickering images and go actually no you know you think the this it's presenting you the scary thing but really the scary thing is what's happening outside the movie theater right that's that's the terrifying thing that we have to be aware of and this is just a way of like uh kind of trying to trying to portray that in a way that we can all confront so i guess the the sort of the question i'm interested in is what do you what do you see as happening in the next few years for this kind of horror movie you know i think the success of of us and nope and get out and um near costa's work and so many other people there's this kind of like explosion of interest in black horror so yeah it'd be it'd be cool to i'm just wondering what what do you think is going to be the next where do you where do you see this going into the future um i mean I hope there a is a future <laughs> because I, I know yeah, these fast. things go in cycles, um, and you know we mm. have you know the black exploitation cycle in the seventies, and then in the nineties we had kind of another uh, quote unquote urban uh, cycle of movies, but a lot of these black filmmakers, you know, and black stories got kind of a you know one shot, and then Hollywood decided that the 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 interest is over and they kind of moved on to something else. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping that the interest will continue as far as Hollywood goes and they don't, you know, decide that we've had our moment and, and move on. Um, I mean, I, I know that there will continue to be black horror in terms of, uh, at the very least, you know, kind of cheapy underground, you know, straight to video type of stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping that, yeah, because that, that, that's always existed, but um, for, or for a long time, but, um, I mean, I'm hoping Hollywood continues to to find interest in it. I think um, kind of the key to me is that there has to be a diversity of storytelling um, from 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 behind the camera. So uh, black black writers and directors, you know, being you know racially uh, diverse racially behind the camera, but also in front of the camera, diverse in terms of storytelling. I think you know. Blackness shouldn't always be um, confined to, you know, a, a get out kind of story. You know, not everything can be the next get out. So I'm hoping that Hollywood isn't just like, okay, if you can't bring me another get out, then there's nothing else we, mm-hmm. we need to hear from you. So I'm hoping, you know, that there's room for like goofy, you know, black slasher or, you know, while also yeah. there can be, yeah, there can be a goofy, there can be like, you know, a, a black twilight or something like that. I mean, not that I want to see that, but you know, it, it's nice to have you know that option. <laughs> but you know, I, I just think yeah. it's a range of things. So Hollywood can't have the excuse to say, you know, oh, black horror doesn't work because they've boxed it into this one little, you know, role here. So I mean, if there's like mm-hmm. a diversity of stories coming from the black point of view, I think you know that will help um, propel it forward into the future. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I really hope kind of the rising tide of like Jordan Peele and the other Costa, like propel these these movies forward because it's like, oh, one of the one of the worst things in horror cinema is every every like decade and a half or so we get like a five to ten year stretch where it's like the same movie being remade over and over again, mm-hmm. and the only good movies are coming out from like B and C level studios that are that are just kind of going under everybody's radar and I'm, I'm really hoping we get to skip skip that cycle here and and we get like exactly because there's the oh there's such a strength in storytelling when like like diversity is really the strength of horror and it's kind of always been the strength of horror even when it has to like i mean like so much of this book is about like pushing through the mire of like tropic ways of like taxonomizing the horror film you know and there's i, I think there's a big risk and this is i think partly what you're getting at is that there's a big risk right now of like 
entering into an era of Hollywood where it like quote unquote woke cinema becomes its own tropic form mm-hmm. and it like subsumes like this blossoming of other narratives and like oh like so many good movies out there that I wish got more attention. <laughs> and, I, and I think the point you make reflects really well on what you've both done in the context of the book, which is to present this history as not just like one strand. You know, there's never been just like one kind of movie, right? There's, yeah. there's been so many different ways of approaching these problems of talking about, you know, there is no like, uh, there is no one singular black horror. There's just this multiplicity of like, different stories and different ways of approaching different styles different Mm -hmm. acts like and i think that's i think that's such a such a a cool thing to emphasize yeah and i think you know i think just even if the story is like you know nothing wholly original i think just telling the same kind of story from a different point of view than people have seen i think will give it some new life i mean like you don't see necessarily you know haven't seen like a black zombie movie or a black vampire movie on on the big screen that much so i mean i think just that kind of new oh, yeah. setting can help you know part people's interest in, in in the story so i think uh it's definitely you know something that i think hollywood has to uh be open to and not just you know so far they seem to just want you know another get out or, or whatever so um hopefully we can broaden their minds <laughs> yes absolutely which is i mean it's the classic hollywood like when 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 film becomes like the successful commercial capitalist product you go oh yeah uh, there was this really original successful story yeah can we have that just again because the same we'll get we'll get exactly the same result <laughs> yeah you can have count on hollywood to beat something to death <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's there's always like the, the this kind of like hegemonic racist impulse within the like major studio machinery as well because like I think about the movie Blade way more often than I should think about the movie Blade because <laughs> like it's a fun movie it's phenomenal like there's there's some commentary in there to chew on but like for the longest time that was the most successful comic book movie was Blade. Even when Disney Marvel was churning out their titles, they still couldn't catch the audience that Blade had. And now when people are like, oh, what really kicked off the the Marvel sensation? The, everyone's forgotten that Blade was like kind of like the, the, the test film for this, the film that actually like pushed comics back into the mainstream and revitalized the idea of comics on the silver screen. And now everyone's just talking about like Captain America or Spider-Man and you know, like it, it is. It is a shame that that's something that has to kind of be be dealt with from the sidelines. Yeah, I I, I love Blade. I mean, I, yeah, I do think it's not oh, talked yeah. about enough. And you know, and Blade Two was great too. I mean, Blade, Blade Two is arguably better than mm-hmm. Blade One. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll I'll skip Blade Three, but <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> fat fat <laughs> wise choice. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. I think it's funny though, Blade 3, I guess, was their attempt to kind of go more mainstream and, and introduce the, some white characters to uh, kind of uh, hit, you know, I, I don't know, make it more of a blockbuster or whatever they were thinking. But it's funny mm-hmm. that, that that was kind of the breaking point. That was actually the failure point of this franchise. So, um, yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see when they come out with a new play what, what that is like and how that fits into everything. Uh, I am extremely curious I mean, about that forthcoming new Blade movie. I can't imagine any other Marvel film where they'll have the hero like slap the hell out of a cop. <laughs> like, like <laughs> yeah. that's, that's just it's one of the like. I mean, the, the, you know, the opening rave scene is just iconic. But like, uh, you know, a a comic book hero that was that that recognized that the police are and have always been what they are, which is a, a threat. I think. I yeah, uh, we we do not we do not give uh, Blade and uh, the sequel enough credit. I think. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, like Blade Two, like or not not Blade Two the movie, but Blade in addition to the other <laughs> movies we've been discussing. 
um it's it's so alive with with like film history too like it's it's very much of its moment when it's coming out but like it's so it's so connected into like it like like rudy ray moore's filmography there's a lot of like you know like dolomite inside of the blade movie it's like I for for the new forthcoming Blade, I would love to see it be just as kind of historic, right? Just as aware and engaged with all of the cinema that came before it that kind of necessarily leads to this moment. But for like, I don't know, Disney Marvel, maybe I'm hoping for too much. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I hope it has some of that swagger uh, with it. And yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess I guess on that note, I was also really happy to see Rudy Ray Moore's uh, filmography getting a nod in the book. Uh, Petey Wheatstraw, The Devil's Son-in-Law. Uh, weird, bizarre little movie, but like it's so much fun. And I, I know, um, was it 2018 when Rudy Ray Moore got that Netflix biopic? I think it's like mm-hmm. My Name is Dolomite or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, great. So th- I think th- there is definitely a resurgence or at least somewhat of a resurgence of kind of this classic like black exploitation cinema going on yeah yeah i mean i think i for a while there was talk of a new blackula coming out i don't know if that is still oh, the really? or not yeah um although i don't i don't get the sense it was really a big big release but so it might not be that exciting news but um yeah i had but i hadn't really heard of that and that was like a couple of years ago so i don't know if it died off with covid or anything like that but but I, I definitely think it'd be worth revisiting um like i said there haven't been really many black vampire movies of major that are you know releasing theaters i think i mean uh vampire in brooklyn is probably the last one that i can think of which mm-hmm. is, you know, a comedy kind of in 30, almost 30 years ago, maybe. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that would be great. Um, even like, you know, Dr. Black, Mr. Hyde, I think was underrated at his time. I think it has some relevance today and could still be, you know, have some, uh, the weight in, in, uh, if they were to remake that. I'm not counting on, uh, Welcome Home Brother Charles being maybe not maybe not (laughs) i don't i don't see that again we never get the movie we need yeah i mean (laughs) it would be good um you know we we have we have talked about the book for a little while but um ash should we should we um do you want to do you want to move on or is there anything else you want to make sure that we cover Oh, we can we can just talk about horror movies yeah, for the rest of this too. This is... like, <laughs> that's why we're here. Um, well, yeah. before we started recording, Mark, I know you said that you had seen the new Evil Dead movie, and I'm I am very curious to know your thoughts. Oh man, I I loved it. I I haven't felt as buzzed as buzzed about a movie uh, in a long time. Like I I rarely really? have this. Yeah, I rarely have the desire to like go back and see a movie again in the theater, but I'm just like, who who do I know that I can drag this <laughs> to this movie? Because my wife hates <laughs> horror, my wife can't stand horror, and my, my kids are too young. So like, I I actually last night it was funny. I I actually was like tried to show them the trailer just to sh- to show them what the movie was about, and they're like, no, <laughs> we don't want to see no. this. <laughs> That I, I couldn't share oh, no. my my excitement with anybody, but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I mean, I arguably would say it's the best in the franchise to me. I mean, but I that, wow. The the caveat is I I've loved every movie in this franchise, so it's it's close. I mean, I I think this Evil Dead. I mean, I'm trying to think of another franchise that like on a per movie basis has remained so good and I, I don't know if I can think of it it's really I, I just I like every movie in this franchise and I think this one really kind of pushed me over the top it was it was scary it was action packed it was like non-stop action basically and um, the action set pieces were really well designed I think I, I like the last the Evil Dead re- uh, reboot 
like from 10 years ago or so. I, I liked it a lot. Oh, the Fede and Alvarez I, one. Yeah, yeah. And I actually, this, watching this made me go back and watch, watch, rewatch that again last night and to kind of compare. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I like them both. I think this new one is a little more fun, I guess. The, 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 the last one was a little, was kind of grim. Uh, it was great, but it was, mm-hmm. it was pretty grim. I think this one, even though it doesn't have much laugh out loud moments per se, it was kind of a little more fun, <laughs> fun in terms of kind of, I don't know, it had some shout outs to Evil Dead 2 in it and stuff. And so it was just, I don't know, it was just great. I think the, 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 the woman who performed, who plays the, um, the mother in the movie, who's kind of the main, uh, possessed one. She just does a great job, and it's just really—you can get a sense in the, in the trailer that she's just really goes, you know, balls to the wall with her performance. And it's just like it's—it's—I don't know if it's intended to be funny, but I found it funny. Some of the some of the lines, yeah. it's just—it was just great. I don't, I, have you have either of you seen it yet, or you still waiting? Oh, s- sadly, I, I, I am. Have been... I'm still waiting because I'm I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure when in the it's out in the UK. But Lee Cronin, who wrote and directed this, was also the director of The Hole in the Ground, um, which came out. Yeah. Like, mm. which is a really, it's a really cool, like, kind of like, um, folk horror movie, I suppose. Um, mm. So I'm, I'm, I am super excited about this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think most, I, think... I, I was a little, oh, go on, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, I think. You know, I think most of the people, the main people in the movie are actually either British or Australian. I can't, one of them I think is British, one Australian, maybe. But yeah, I think they're, most of the people are not American in the movie, actually, <laughs> even though they play American. It's set in LA where I am, but, uh, but uh, it's, yeah, I think it was a, it's, most of the people were from outside the US, but they did, they did a great job. It was wonderful. Interesting. I, I've been I've been a little apprehensive to go check out the new Evil Dead movie, uh, for, for no for no founded reason. I'm just uh, I think I'm getting I'm 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 entering into one of those like phases where I'm a little weary of like ah uh, more more remakes. But if it gets this the, this rave of, rev- of a review from you, then I'm definitely going to have to go check it out. <laughs> I think uh, each of, each of the Evil Dead movies has been so strong. Mm-hmm. And and for for its own and uh, and like they all stand on their own too. They're all like so unique in what they deliver, and what they yeah. like the the Fede Alvarez one, the remake, like that the the scene where it's raining blood is Oof. like one of the most effective, like just intense, like gory, exploitative, disgusting scenes. Like I love it so <laughs> much. <laughs> but I'm yeah, definitely definitely gonna have to go check out this new one then. Yeah, this one definitely has as much I think gore as that one I think it's I was like surprised in the, the climax I was like I was surprised they showed as much as they did because I know they, they tend to cut a lot of this stuff out I'm like wow that's great <laughs> I mean it's just, uh, <laughs> yeah I mean I, I think I might just pony up and go see it again <laughs> by Family has abandoned me. <laughs> it's always a, that's 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 always that's always how you know if like a if like the horror movie has kind of got you. If you go, you know what, I I will pay and see that again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and yeah, I definitely recommend on the big screen. I can't. I I don't know if it'll have as much effect on a home the small screen. I think it's supposed to come to HBO Max relatively quickly because it was originally designed mm-hmm. to be an HBO Max release. Um, but yeah, I think the big screen is definitely where it belongs. Hell yeah! Well, maybe this is a good point to to oh, to, so to, to just kind of like uh, find out what what other horror films that uh, maybe you didn't get a chance to talk about in the book, or maybe that have come out since the book was was finished. What other horror movies have you been enjoying lately? There's some stuff that's come out like in the last year that I would have probably put in the book that I enjoyed, like, um, there was a movie from Australia last year called Sissy that had a black female lead, and I thought it was really mm-hmm. good. It's like a horror comedy, but it was really, but it was, you know, didn't skimp on the, the gore and stuff, but it's about a, 
kind of about a social media toxicity kind of thing and online bullying type of thing. So it was, you know, this uh, online influencer who kind of has to end up at a retreat in the country with uh, somebody who used to bully her from her childhood. And so it's kind of a, she kind of has a, a break with reality and goes on a killing spree. But um, it's, it, that was really, really good. I think I would have included that in the book if it, you know, had come out uh, earlier. Um, that's the one I enjoyed a lot. Um, Barbarian is another yes. one. Yes. was great last yep. year that I enjoyed. And that had another black female lead. So, yeah, that would definitely, that was a major one that I think broke through into the mainstream a bit, um, which was really amazing. Uh, just kind of one of those great horror movies where you just don't even know where it's going at any given moment. Um, and I think it's interesting because that, I thought the, the writer and director of that was kind of like Jordan Peele and that he was a, a none of the comedy sketch writer. He was, I think, uh, from that troupe, uh, uh, what's it called? The Whitest Kids You Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Whitest Kids You Know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I think he came from there. So I thought it was interesting that, you know, these guys who are, like, known for comedy can come out with such, you know, unique and original horror debuts. And so, um, so yeah, that was really... I mean, really anyone yeah. anyone who's been a, a Twitch streamer, I think, uh, would be able to make a good horror movie after what <laughs> they've been through. <laughs> sure. Yeah, but it, 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 there is it, that. Like, oh, go on, go on. Oh no, I guess it, it kind of shows the 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 similarities between horror and comedy. They're kind of two two sides of the same coin. I mean, you you kind of. When you watch a scary movie and you are scared, you scream, then you end up laughing. It's kind of a, they're both kind of release valves for for, for your pent mm-hmm. up uh, emotions. And that is that is exactly what I was going to say too. They're both about kind of like evoking these involuntary bodily responses, you know, to <laughs> to to rupture with laughter or fear. So I think like the jordan peele like like the overlap between like horror and comedy all the horror parodies like it's kind of natural <laughs> and not to not to take things back to the book but i really loved the like i think it was the, the section was like 10 uh jordan peele horror skits or something like that <laughs> like <laughs> yeah uh, they, they did a the, lot the, like... the one the one on there oh go on go on go on oh no, no i was saying they did a lot of horror-related stuff. You could tell that he, he was a fan of horror even before he did Get Out, so it's not surprising, I guess, that he did Get Out. <laughs> uh, yeah, what my, was your favorite, yeah, Ash? My, what my was your favorite, favorite? Favorite one of those. Uh, it was, it's, it's, I think it's it's called, like, White Zombies. I think it was your number one pick in the book. <laughs> but but in it, Keen uh, Peel are in a zombie apocalypse, and all the zombies are white, and, of course, they're, they're like, like, you know, staying away from them and stuff. The white zombies won't attack them. But just the, the the title alone too, like the play on like the movie White Zombie, which really brings the the figure of the zombie into the public consciousness before uh, Romero winds up reinventing it. In another film with like a really potent uh, political and racial context, like it's just ah, oh, like I, the thing the thing I love most about like Jordan Jordan Peele's horror work is just kind of like how like historically alive the texts wind up being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I love that they're so all of his movies so far have been so unique and so different from each other. I think you know he, I think he has something to say in each one, and, but he doesn't mm-hmm. like always spell it out for you. I mean, it's, it's a big you know part of the appeal I think of his movies is people like to watch them and then go and discuss what what this meant and what that meant and what what did he mean by this? Was this something something? symbolizing something else. So um, I think he's just loaded his movies with, with little Easter eggs, but be it, you know, something he might have just seen something that's a callback to a horror movie that he liked, but it might also be something that he's trying to talk about socially. So um, his movies are always a great, you know, kind of a puzzle to, to, to unwind, I think. Yeah, it's, it's just... He, oh, I, yeah. Jordan Peele loves lo- not only really likes making movies, but loves movies, and I think that's great. Um, you know, the, like there is an appreciation of 
this uh, this idea of like, oh, everything has to be wholly original. It's like, no, you can you. Can, there's so much cool stuff that's happened in films before. Let's let's celebrate that as well. And you can kind of just go because uh, that connects the viewer in a really cool way, not just to one film, but the fact that people do go away and go, oh, where was this from? Or oh, what did this mean? It kind of sends you down a kind of rabbit hole of going. Oh look, there's all of these other cool films that I maybe have not come across before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like I mean, I just think it's cool that there is a guy making movies that make people want to talk about movies. I and mean, I, I think the worst thing you can have is like somebody watch a movie and then you instantly forget about it. It's like the movie made no mm-hmm. impact on your life, and you're like, did I actually watch that movie? I don't even remember anything about it. So <laughs> I, I think that's you know the cool thing about it. You never forget them and you continue talking about them. Ab- absolutely. One, 100%. Like, I, I honestly, like, you know, we've been, we've been doing the show for five years. We have nearly 300 episodes now. And, like, somewhere along the way, I, like, really stopped caring if a movie was bad or good. Like, as long as it's making me talk about stuff, that's the thing I care mm-hmm. about most now. <laughs> like, being, being, being boring, being forgettable, that's, that's the single worst thing a movie could be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've I've watched a lot of <laughs> forgettable <laughs> movies over my life. Yeah, it's like there's been so many, oh my god, so many zombie movies, and it's just like <laughs> I watch another zombie movie that just goes through the motions and goes through the expected beats and just oh my god, I'm just gonna kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like the struggle of anyone who who. Um... Uh, watches like uh, religious horror when you go oh are we remaking the exorcist but worse again <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> oh well thank you thank you so much for for hopping on for an interview today it's been great to have you and again everybody the book is the black guy dies first black horror cinema from fodder to oscar by robin means coleman and mark h harris You'll find links uh, to Mark H. Harris down in the show notes and where you can buy the book. We hope you've enjoyed the Dread Discourse. Until next week, stay spooky.